1: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
2: But God's going to give you a pass. You're dreaming. You're dreaming. You have to repent of your sins. You have to turn from them. That's what repentance means, to forsake them, to abandon them, and then put your trust in Jesus Christ and His death and resurrection. There's no there's no other way to be saved. Jesus said, unless you repent, you'll perish in your sins. Belshazzar was, was doing the same thing, that brought God's judgment on his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar.
1: Have you repented from your sins? In today's message from Pastor Dan, he explains to you what it means to repent. Repent means to turn away or to abandon your sins. Repentance is choosing to turn away from the sins that have been entangling you and to return back to the Lord. Pastor Dan encourages you to put your trust in Jesus as your Savior from your sins. You can't receive entrance into the kingdom of God if you haven't repented from your sins and haven't received Jesus as your Savior. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Daniel chapter 5 for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
2: the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Now, this is where the phrase, the handwriting on the wall comes from. It comes from Daniel chapter 5. Now, there's actually many phrases that have become part of our everyday language that come from or taken from the Bible, uh, in particular, the King James Bible. Phrases like, a cross to bear, a house divided against itself a labor of love, the sign of the times, a two-edged sword, you reap what you sow, go the extra mile. These were all introduced into the English language by the Bible. Again, the King James Bible in particular. So as the people were, were drinking out of the vessels from the temple, a hand suddenly appeared and wrote on the wall, of the banquet hall, and notice it says the hand wrote opposite or next to the lampstand, and so it was well lit for for all to see. You know, maybe they've got the lights down low kind of thing, but there's a few lampstands around, and this hand appears next to one of the lampstands, and this finger begins to write. and And I like that it says the hand wrote on the plaster of the wall. I, I imagine as the finger wrote. On the plaster, it made some kind of scraping noise, you know, like, like fingernails on a chalkboard kind of thing. And you can, you can picture this in your mind, right? Huge party, banquet halls packed with drunk people, lights are down low, music is loud, bass is thumping, smoke machine, strobe lights... And then, like, the hand from the Adams family suddenly, remember that? peers at the wall and this finger. And then all of a sudden, you hear, you know, this scraping sound. The music stops. Everybody stops dancing. They're real still as this, as this finger scratches this message into the wall. I'm sure that sobered everybody up real quick, seeing that. Now, this is not the only time in the Bible that we see God writing with his finger. Uh, God uh, wrote the law on the stone tablets that he gave to Moses. Exodus 31 verse 18. When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets of the covenant of the law, the tablets of stone inscribed, it says, by the finger of God. Jesus, of course, John chapter 8, the woman caught in the act of adultery. Jesus bends down and he begins to write something in the dirt. We're not told what. But with his finger, he begins to write in the dirt. And the accusers that are gathered around, they actually see the finger of God right in the dirt. And we're told that the accusers, one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, they all turn and leave. There's another occasion in the Gospels when Jesus is casting out demons. And the religious leaders, he casts out a mute demon And the religious and the people say, hey, isn't this the son of David to the to the religious leaders and the religious leaders say, no, he's doing this by the power of Satan. And and so Jesus gets in this exchange with the religious leaders and he says, if it's not, you know, he explains it and defends it. But then he says, if it's not by the power of Satan, then it's by the finger of God that these demons are are cast out. In this case, the finger of God wrote out the judgment against, against Belshazzar and the Babylonian empire. Even today, when we use this phrase, the writing on the wall, or the writings on the wall, it's, it's usually used as like a, a negative thing, right? It's bad news. It's coming. So he sees this writing on the wall. In verse 6, we have the reaction of the king. Look at verse 6. Then the king's countenance changed. <laughs> And his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his hips were loosened <laughs> and his knees knocked against each other. So his countenance changed. The color left his face. His cheeks are probably pink from drinking, red, and all of the color drains out of his face. And he becomes white as a sheet. And his thoughts troubled him. I'm sure they did. And his, the joints of his hips were, were loosed. That's a a pretty graphic description of his body's response to this. He he loses control of his bodily functions there. And his knees began to knock. Then the king cried out, verse 7, to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. The king spoke, saying to the wise men, of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck and he shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. And so what does the king do? He he calls the brain trust of the nation to see if they can explain the meaning of the message. It's not so much, you know, the, the words are written in Aramaic. They can read the words, but they don't understand the message. They, 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 and so he calls, you know, the, the smartest people in the nation, the experts, to see if they can explain the meaning of this message. And notice at the end of verse 7, just for you note takers, uh, Belshazzar says, whoever can explain the meaning will be made the third ruler in the kingdom. Remember I said, his father is also the king. Belshazzar is a king. And so the person who interprets the message will be number three. The number three man in the empire. So, verse eight, now, all the king's wise men came, you know all the king's sources and all the king's men they came, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king its interpretation without God's help. The experts were unable to make sense of the message on the wall. Verse nine says, then King Belshazzar was greatly troubled, his countenance was changed, and his lords were astonished or perplexed or baffled these are the experts and they're baffled which is a good reminder to us that the experts don't always have the answers you've seen that right over the last year especially listen that's why that's why especially in these days that we're living it is important for you to be led by the lord and led by the holy spirit And led by the word of God. And allow the word of God to be a lamp unto your feet. And a light unto your path. So that you know what to do and what not to do. Because our experts don't know. We need to hear from the Lord. So verse 9 says the king was greatly troubled. When the experts couldn't tell him the meaning of the message. So now look at verse 10. Watch what happens now. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall. So now the queen comes. And the question is, who is this queen that comes to the banquet hall? We've already been told that the wives and concubines of Belshazzar were were at the banquet already. So who is this queen that now shows up at the banquet? Most scholars believe this queen was the wife of the late Nebuchadnezzar. She's literally the queen mother. And, And she remembers when Daniel served in her husband's cabinet as an advisor to her husband, the king. She hears about what has happened at the banquet, and she comes to the banquet hall to make a recommendation to her grandson, Belshazzar.
1: You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan.
2: It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com.
1: Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth.
2: So she came, verse 10, and the queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom, and whom is the spirit of the holy God. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar has been dead for like 25 years at this point. And in the days of your father, that would be your grandfather, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your grandfather, your grandfather the king, made him chief of the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers, Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, Knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. Man, don't you love what the queen has to say about Daniel? She starts out here, look back at verse 11. She starts out by saying, the spirit of the holy God is in him. Now that's the same way her late husband Nebuchadnezzar described Daniel back in chapter 4 as a man filled with the spirit of the holy God. That makes me wonder if the queen and Nebuchadnezzar talked about Daniel together. Had these conversations about Daniel. And can't can't you hear the grandmother queen saying, "You know your grandfather always used to say, that Daniel was a man filled with the spirit of the holy God. So, verse 13: Then Daniel was brought in before the king, and the king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel who is one of the captives from Judah, whom my grandfather the king brought from Judah? You know, it, it's obvious by what, what uh, Belshazzar says that he, he doesn't know Daniel. He's never laid eyes on, this, on, on Daniel before. And it, it's also obvious that Daniel no longer holds a position in the government. He's no longer uh, a, a among the wise men of Babylon. I do find it interesting, though, that when a crisis hit, Daniel is the one who is called. You know, bring Daniel out of retirement. We need him. You know, there's, there's some people who have, have really no place for God in their life. They don't really want to have anything to do with God until there's a crisis. <laughs> and you maybe have some friends like that, that you never hear from them. And then something happens and you get a phone call. or You get a text. Because you're the, you're the Christian friend that they have. You know, and so they, they want to talk to you now. They want you to pray for them. Or they want you to go with them to the doctor's appointment that they have. In verse 14... He says, I have heard of you. <laughs> my, my grandmother just told me about you. That the spirit of God is in you. And that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now, the wise men, the astrologers have been brought in before me. That they should read this writing and make known to me its interpretation. But they could not give the interpretation of the thing, so they're, they're there in that hall, that banquet hall, and think, You know, I think about Daniel here, and as he comes into this banquet hall, and there are the gold and silver vessels from the temple in Jerusalem. There, how heartbreaking was it for Daniel, as a, as a Jew, to see those vessels, you know, on the ground and filled with wine and just so desecrated like that. Verse sixteen. And, and I have heard of you that you can give interpretations and explain enigmas. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck. The Hebrew word there is bling. And shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. But Daniel's in his 80s at this point. One of the great things about older people is they're not afraid to say it straight. They're not worried about offending anybody or hurting anybody's feelings or, or anything like that. They can be very blunt blunt, and they can just say it like they see it. And that's what that's what old man Daniel does here in verse 17. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself <laughs> and give your rewards to another person. I don't want your stuff, not interested. Yet I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. Daniel says, you know, I'm not interested in any gifts or rewards or anything. But then he says, I'll, I'll tell you the interpretation. But first, Daniel is going to give Belshazzar a little free advice by way of a history lesson about his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar. Before I give you the interpretation, let me tell you a little story, whippersnapper, about your grandfather that I knew very well and served with and for. Look what he says in verse 18. O king, the most high God, you know, the one that you've been mocking and blaspheming here with the vessels, the most high God, he gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor And because of the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whomever he wished, he put down. Daniel makes it very, very clear that Nebuchadnezzar's greatness came from the Most High God. It didn't come from Nebuchadnezzar. His greatness and his power and his authority and those that feared him and respected him They did it because of God and God's hand on Nebuchadnezzar. It didn't have anything to do with Nebuchadnezzar. It was all the Lord. So verse 20, but when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. This is back from chapter four. Then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beast and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys out in the wilderness. They fed him with grass like oxen and his body was wet with the dew of heaven until he knew that the most high God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over it whomever he chooses. But you, his son Belshazzar, You have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this. History is a great teacher, but only if you apply the lessons of history to your life. Belshazzar failed to apply the lessons from his grandfather's life. Belshazzar knew what happened to his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of verse 22, again, Daniel says, you knew all this. You, You knew what happened to your grandfather. Belshazzar knew the story. He, he he knew that his grandfather was brought low and humiliated because of his own pride and his own self exaltation, and it wasn't until his his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar lifted his eyes to heaven and acknowledged the power and authority of God over his life and over his kingdom that he was restored again as king. Belshazzar was doing the same thing that was the undoing of his grandfather, and and if God brought down his grandfather for his arrogance and his pride, why would He allow Belshazzar to go unpunished when He's doing the same thing? It's a warning. You know, this uh, this last Tuesday night, our our men's Bible study uh, was in the book of Jude. In the book of Jude, it's one chapter. Uh, it talks about false teachers who infiltrate the, the church. And, and one of the things that Jude says there is he, he says they, they've crept into the church unnoticed. In other words, there's, he's saying there's, there's false teachers that have crept into the church and the believers in those churches didn't even realize they're sitting under false teachers. It was unnoticed. And it, it, interesting, this is just a little side thing. One of the things that Jude says is that they were even denying the Lord Jesus Christ. And you you read that and you think, well, how are they unnoticed if they're denying the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, they they weren't standing up in the pulpit and disavowing Jesus Christ. When, When it says that they were denying the Lord Jesus Christ, it means they weren't talking about him. They weren't speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were talking about things that sounded good and sounded godly and sounded spiritual. But they weren't talking about Jesus from the pulpit. You know, just, just this past Sunday, we had, there was a guy that attended church here. And he, after church, he said, my church never talks about Jesus. I never hear the name Jesus. They say Lord, they say Christ, they say God. I never hear the word Jesus at my church. And he said, there's power in that name, you know. So anyways, Jude goes on to say that these false teachers, God will judge them. And then Jude basically says, he's going to judge these false teachers just as he judged people throughout the Old Testament. And then Jude gives several examples from the Old Testament of when God judged false teachers and judged people that rebelled against his His authority. And then Jude calls these false teachers dreamers. He says, these dreamers. And what he's saying there is these these false teachers, they're delusional. If they think that they're not going to be judged for doing the same thing. Today we would say, you're dreaming. You're dreaming. And Jude says, they're dreaming. If they think they're not going to be judged. Listen, give, give me your attention. If, if you're living in habitual sin and you know it and you're unrepentant of your sin, it's delusional to think that God will not judge you for your sin. I'm not talking about you're struggling, you know, you're, you, you repent of it, but you, you fall back into it. I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about the person who, who can have just a lifestyle of sin. And yes, maybe they're still coming to church but they have no intention of repenting or turning from that that sin, it's delusional to think that God's not going to judge you for your sin. There are a line of examples in the Scriptures of God judging unrepentant, rebellious, prideful people like Belshazzar in our passage. It's delusional to think, well, God will just give you a pass. (laughs) When He's never given anybody else a pass... On those things, but God's going to give you a pass. You're dreaming. You're dreaming. You have to repent of your sins. You have to turn from them. That's what repentance means, to forsake them, to abandon them, and then put your trust in Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. There's no there's no other way to be saved. Jesus said, unless you repent, you'll perish in your sins. Belshazzar was was doing the same thing that brought God's judgment on his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar
3: He asked me how I know I say truer than the finest crystal.
1: You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the Book of Daniel. Regardless of the various leaders that Daniel finds himself under, it's obvious through Daniel's accounts, that God is higher and greater than any earthly king. He alone holds the dominion and power that others so often strive to attain. Daniel never lost sight of this, and it was only confirmed time and time again as God came through in unlikely situations. If today's message has struck a chord with you, we'd like to talk with you. Please give us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. You can also send us an email through our website, calvaryec.com. If you're not connected yet with the local church, we highly encourage you to find a church home that will help guide and support you in your growing faith. If you're ever in the Columbia, Maryland area, we'd love to have you join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Each week we gather together for a time of worship and Bible study and we'd love to meet you. Visit our website at calvaryec.com to find directions and service times. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Dan will have more to share from the book of Daniel next time right here on Ring of Truth. I see the
3: signs and I recognize